And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbrough. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. We are in the throes of summer. This is Sleep Dog, along with the Big Hawk. What's up, everybody? It's Big Hawk. Um, got some cookies. We're going to give Crumble another go. Felt like I disrespected him by giving you guys a non-cookie. Um, but sleep, hey, I'm excited. Back in the nest. What a great day. The weather is absolutely shit. Um, but uh, Low humidity. Um, woo. About all we got to talk about, guys, is the weather. But, you know, we're going to talk about it. It's a little slightly... The current conditions in Raleigh, North Carolina, are slightly more interesting than what's going on in the NBA offseason. Top story ESPN right now is that the Knicks trade other players to make room for Jalen Brunson. So it is a certified snoozathon out there. Um, nonetheless, we're going to get into like some potential NBA moves, get Tyler the big hawk to explain to us how to help free agency works, because I'm f- almost 40 and I still don't know. I uh, just act like I do uh, when they all tell, oh yeah, this guy's a free agent. Don't know what that means. Um, essentially, we got, oh, the NBA draft. Guys, we haven't talked to you since the draft went live. We're going to get into uh, old Paolo's um, dingleberries on his outfit. And uh, and the, the the presence of the chain has never been more prominent in the NBA draft. And that says a lot. Brooks, last time I was on here, told you what any Nike athletes gone to the live tour yet. Brooks must have been listening. He's gone. Uh, making a lot of money. Uh, making a lot of headlines, and the PGA sort of claps back with some new rules to maybe offer their players some money. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, LeBron triple logo, man. Old Sleep Dog's going to geek out on cards because, you know what, we ain't got anything else to talk about. So you don't like trading cards? I'll uh, let you know when you want to turn this thing off. Uh, 2.4 mil. $2.4 million for a basketball card that just came out that is not autographed by LeBron James. I'll break that down for you. Uh, we got a UNC guy playing in uh, what tournament? Big Hawk? Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Wimble, 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 Wimble. Wobbler. Wobbleton. Wobbletown. Uh, and then we'll do a cookie review. And by the grace of God, we might make it out of here um, with a full podcast. But just bear with us, guys. Ain't shit going on. And you know what? Our DMs are, are drier than cams because nobody's telling us anything. You probably aren't even. You probably don't care. Um, Dion's not here. Uh, he was great. Thanks, Dion, for joining us last week. Some of the best numbers we've had all summer. Big Hawk, what uh, what do you think about the NBA draft? Let's start there. What do you think of the draft class at large? Uh, how do you think – are there any stars in this draft class? Um, any stars? I think there's potential to have some stars in this class, absolutely. Um, the guy that I really liked was from Auburn, Jabari Smith, um, I felt like he had good athleticism and size and an unbelievable shot. Kind of reminded great me. Great suit, too. Yeah. Didn't overdo it. No. Looked he, like he'd been there before. He, very professional, and that's what I'm about. I like that look. Um, but to me, if I had the number one pick, I would have taken him, mm-hmm. and I watched him all year. I uh, watched Auburn play one because uh, Kessler was there, and I was interested to see how he was going to do. But I will say that, um, yeah, I really liked his game, and – the guy who I think he kind of reminds me a little bit of is uh, Moberly from uh, Evan Mobley. Yeah, from USC. And Mobley he's from now. Uh, USC, but plays for the Cavs, who just had a very good year. <clears throat> I, you know, I think he's kind of similar to him to where he has a really good shot and he has uh, that size. But I also like the point guard from Arizona, and I've been pretty adamant about this all year i think the point guard from arizona is going to be a hell of an nba player is that benedict mathurin benedict yeah who just came at lebron and said lebron is gonna have to show me he's better than me yeah dude's got some swag dude Um, i i love that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard and i love it dude mm -hmm. i mean just why not yeah like if you're not gonna believe in yourself like that who else is so and i bet lebron appreciates it and respects it too he this knows dude, where he's coming from this dude's got game and to me he's one of the most um well-rounded players i mean he can he can guard he can get assist he can shoot he's athletic very mobile um you know i'm trying to think of somebody who he compares like who who he's comparable to but i'm kind of drawing a blank 
But no, I think he's going to be really good. Um, let's see here. Well, Arizona. For, no, I'm sorry. Auburn was my pick to uh, dude six six two oh five. I can tell you who he compares to. That's our boy, J.K. Jonathan Kaminga, rangy forward. You know, can shoot the rock. Athletic to the moon. He's a little more polished than Kaminga. Oh, yeah, probably. No, Kaminga's very good, and nah, I think I'm he's kidding. got size and athleticism, but. I think Kaminga's probably twenty. I'm not how nineteen. Nineteen. This kid's yeah. nineteen. Wow. Um, yeah, these kids are so young, man. And and the thing I liked about Benedict is like he's one of the few guys in the draft that looks like a grown man. Yeah. You know, and you just kind of look at him and you're like, bro, I'd, all right, like I'd pick him. I think the Pacers were um, very happy that he was available when he was. Yeah, I I can't. Uh, you know, he didn't get a lot of hype going into the NBA draft. And I was like, man, this kid is a sleeper. Um, but no, I think he's going to – those are my two favorite players in the whole draft. Who was now, the other one? Oh, oh, sorry, Smith. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Jabari Smith. Uh, I Actually, I like Jay Nivey. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought – I think he's going to be a really good player. He kind of re- reminds me of D. Wade a little bit. Um, very athletic, very quick, mobile, very good defender. Um, I wouldn't say like – his shot making ability, like his three point shot, is fully polished. Mm-hmm. And D Wade's not a big time uh, three point shooter, so I think they're similar from that aspect. There were some surprises in there. Um, I will say, Socon. I mean, you know, watching him play Butler, I was I wasn't all that high on him. And Paolo going number one, I was a little. I didn't think his ceiling was as high as I wasn't as high on him as probably. Um, a lot of other people, but you know, we'll see what can happen in the Chet kid. I'm going to be very interested about him. He has size. Um, he has good skill, but it just like, I don't get the KD vibes that everyone else gets. And I don't know if I'm a hater or what, but I just don't, I don't see that. But, uh, you know what? He can come out there and, you know, prove him. Prove me wrong. Dude looks like one of those skinny kids on one of those cartoons you used to watch when you were a kid. Um, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Dude, to me, if you're if if you're comparable to KD, you're going one. Oh yeah, ain't no question. I mean, like, to me. It's not it, even a question. Like if you're a poor man's KD, you're going one. I mean, look, dude. Here's what's interesting to me about him landing in OKC. So OKC has Josh Giddy, who didn't play a ton last year, but had three triple doubles as a rookie, as a 19 year old rookie. Um, is is a very highly you know touted player. Uh, spent the last part of the year injured with something like a back issue or something. So it was, it's one of those issues that you kind of don't want, but you're young enough where like you can bounce back from that thing and be perfectly fine. It's not a not an ACL or an ankle or something that's just like catastrophic and and, and sort of chronic. So you get both of those two guys on. The, I was actually really surprised they went here because I felt like they already kind of had a player like that in Getty. So now imagine you got Dirk and Kevin Durant on your same team, right? I don't know. These are obviously mm-hmm. I'm using these types of players because of the way they play, not because they're in any way comparable to those guys, but um. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about Chet. I mean, there's so much hype about him. He's how are you seven foot one ninety five? I am five eleven, damn near one ninety five. So where is dude? If the if they turn the air conditioner on too hard in that stadium, this dude ain't gonna make it. So you know, you got to put some meat on your bones. He's I got another two thousand two. This is unreal, dude. I graduated high school in two thousand two. So you know, who's to say the kid won't be great? I mean, I think Banchero is. Dude, I, I just don't get it man like there was no like Banchero was not always the standout player at Duke on their team he was not in any way a standout player in what I think most people would consider like a sort of semi down year in the ACC he wasn't a contender I guess I mean did he win he didn't win player of the year did he you know, I mean, no. like, there is so, like, dude, Jay Nivey, I take Jay Nivey all day long over Banchero. And we watch him. That's the one thing I feel educated on is we've seen Banchero a lot, right? Um, some of these other players, maybe, maybe I'm missing some games that they had that, that weren't great, but like, I watched Jay Nivey, you know, kick the shit out of us. So, um, 
you just never know in any of this. I mean, you've had some great players that, for whatever reason, don't pan out. And and there's definitely some guys later in the draft that we're going to figure out later. You know, you guys like Tyrese Maxey's and stuff like that, that kind of Danny Greens, that become like very integral players over a long period of time that are, that are back there in the back of the draft. I'll tell you the one guy that I'm super interested in as a second-round pick is somewhere – and I can't find him. The Abaji kid, I think, is going to be decent. Abaji. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From Kansas. Yeah, he, Dude, went he late looked great. Or mid first round. I think, um, man, I think uh, Walker went to the Wolves, right? Kessler? He went to Minnesota. Dude, I thought he went to Memphis, and you guys were telling me Minnesota. Mark hey, Williams. Go back. He's 22, so it could have gotten traded to Memphis. Let's see here. Yeah, he went to, he traded went to, Minnesota. to Minnesota. Traded. Okay, so yeah, Memphis yeah. did draft him and traded him. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, guys, you know, I've been high on Walker for a while. I, th- I think his size and the way he moves, um, you know, with, with that size, I think is pretty rare. Good Somebody hands as well. that uh, – I can't remember. The kid went to Toledo, and I want to say – I don't think it was this Tyrese Martin dude, but I'll, I'll figure it out. I was reading an article. Oh, no, 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 this Ryan Rollins kid. I was reading an article about uh, Steve Kerr basically said they were working out and watching – like six. they had six players in for a, for a workout, and they're on like the whatever, Steve Kerr and the GM – or up in the gym riding the unicycle or whatever the hell it is up there. <laughs> uh, what are those things called? Elliptical. Elliptical, some shit like that, right? And and the article was about how Steve Kerr very is is not involved in the draft at all, and the front office does it, and especially when you're you know in the finals, he's not paying attention to these guys, and very rarely does he offer his opinion, and 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 it's never asked for. And Steve Kerr was asking like, man, what is up with this guy? And it goes back to like the you know I, I know we, I talk a lot about Jonathan Kaminga and ninety nine point nine percent of people listening have no idea who this is or do they care, right? But the thing of it is, is if you're trying to identify as a fan, like who are the sleepers, if that's something you're sort of curious about. <laughs> well, look at the places that are consistently successful in the draft, and I don't think there's anywhere that's more consistently successful in Golden State. They always find the guys that everybody scratches their heads, and the next thing you know, they got superstars. And I'm telling you, like, don't even think about Steph and Clay and Draymond. All drafted, all, what, four-time champions now, built from the ground up. But then on this year's roster, they got Wiseman. He was a number two pick, right? All right. Not who knows what's going to happen there, but he's clearly got potential. Moses Moody's a great player already. Like you can tell he's going to be in the league for a while. I'm not saying these guys are all going to be all-stars. You got Kaminga as a monster. You got Jordan Poole as a monster. Like these guys, they draft. Did they draft Kevin Looney? I mean, they've got good players that they I mean, so if you're trying to look for who's who's the next guy, I mean, the first place I'd start is to see who did Golden State get late in the draft? Because they're usually drafting late. The Wiseman thing was an anomaly because they looked like, damn, saving Private Ryan for two years. They had so many guys hurt out there. Uh, and they wound up with a second pick. And But other than that, dude, they, they've proven that they can draft. And that's this Ryan Rollins kid is somebody I'm like super interested in now that I've sort of seen that. I mean, kid's 6'3", 179. And what's interesting to me about these all these young guys – is it so like I'm at that age now where like everybody in the NBA is like if you're my age you're retiring unless you're LeBron and then you might retire in a decade right but these guys it's hard to remember LeBron and Giannis and Kevin Durant even and Kevin Durant skinny as shit but even even him and Jimmy Butler and Dwayne these guys when they first come in the league versus when their bodies fill out I mean John Morant is what 22 like. That guy's going to weigh 15 more pounds in a couple of years. Um, you know, all these guys that are super young and getting burned and all this sort of stuff, like, are, are going to look like in five years, we're going to look back at them and be like, wow, that guy was a child. Um, and so this one and done and this, I, I, dude, I just love what the NBA is doing, man. They run that league so well. It's so exciting. Like, the way that the draft works and, um, you know, the ability of, of many, many teams to have star players and to, to sort of incentivize they're good players to stay in smaller markets a little bit. You know, it's not perfect, but I don't know, man. It's just they do the best job, in my opinion, of of keeping my interest throughout mm-hmm. the calendar year because of how the how the leagues run. Y'all see uh, MJ when Mark Williams got drafted, he talked to him, and Dude. I loved the little dig he threw in. He said, "Hey, we're happy to have you. 
even though you're a dookie. <laughs> Dude, I say I on that same conversation, MJ's getting soft, man. MJ said, you know, even though you went to Duke, it was an honor to draft you. And I was like, damn, Mike, come on, dude. Like, an honor? Did you have to drop that in there? Like, and then, kid, I mean, and I think, honestly, dude, I think Mark Williams is going to be a great player. Like, he, he's an athletic big man. To, to me, I think Mark Williams is the most intriguing player that's going to be, a, like, from Duke's team this yep. year. I look at Mark Williams, I think he's got the highest ceiling yep. of any player on that team. I agree. And, I, you know, I think, I think that was a great pick. How tall is he? Because that's seven foot something. Seven foot. So he, he I was gonna say he reminds me of of Embiid, but can like fucking jump out of the gym. So there's a player that um, years ago played for the Sixers and he actually played a year in Samuel Dallenberg. Oh yeah, dude. He was a hell of a pro. And that is kind of who Mark Damn, Williams seven two. Yeah, that is kind of who Mark Williams reminds me of. He's not as athletic as Dallenberg. Not really? as athletic, but Dallenberg. Did you Could, play with Dallin Bear? I played against him. Against him? He is a monster. Yeah, he was very good. He was a fantasy stat stuffer, dude. Did a little bit of everything. Because he didn't really score a ton of points, but he would literally go out. I think he had a, a triple-double with 10 blocks, and there ain't a whole lot of people that have ever done that. I had Dallin Bear on a team. He was good. <sighs> he could shoot. You know, high percentages, didn't turn the ball over. He had he a great defender because he was so big, could get a lot of steals. Like, I think, you know, I don't follow the, the, the Hornets a ton, you know the the big man is kind of like a dying breed, but like it definitely is a roster spot that I feel like they have drafted poorly over time. And and honestly, I hate to say it, but like Plumley and even Zeller. I mean, I don't know if they drafted Zeller. I can't remember. But like those are guys that that it's like you're looking for the answer at that position, but you never quite find it. And I think Mark Williams could be different. Yeah, you know the Hornets. They've had some bad luck. They were supposed to have that number one pick that one year, Anthony Davis. And, you know, like a 3% mm -hmm. chance they lost that number one pick. But I don't know if you saw this recently, but the Hornets signed the assistant, um, I can't think of his name, for Golden State uh -huh. to be the head coach. Well, he he, he backed bailed, out. Yeah. And, um, you know, just kind of bad luck. But, you know, I think he's going to be good for the Hornets. They have Plumlee right now, but they, they're an up-and-coming young team. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I Steve Clifford's coming back to be their head coach, who is one of my favorite coaches that I've ever played for. I think he's a hell of a coach. He knows his stuff. He's honest, and he's familiar with Charlotte, uh, familiar with the front office. So I think he's going to jump in there and make a huge impact. And excuse me. And they have some talent. They have the ball kid. They have the Bridges kid, or the Bridges is going to be a free agent, but they're they're going to bank him out. Yeah. And you know they got. They have some pieces. Yeah, I think even they're guys a playoff like Rozier, team. pretty good. You know, they made the they made the play in game, which counts as a playoff appearance now, right? Like, and look, dude, another great move by the by the NBA. You got twelve teams now vying for the playoffs, and like, dude, if you're on the fringes anyway, good for you. Like, you know, who cares that the seven eight guys got to fight their way in? Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that too. Uh, the uh, Abaji thing I wanted to come back to because he's a really interesting mix in Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland is, dude, they surprised everybody last year, but they've got Okoro, they've got Garland, mm -hmm. they've got Jared Allen, they've got Evan Mobley, um, and now they've got a Abaji that's a really strong player. They have... Um, is it? Is it? It's not marketing, is it? They've got a couple like yeah, veterans. they do have him. Yeah, they got they got a Kevin Love, obviously. Who I mean, had a great year last year for for where he's at in his career. But you know, you got to figure that you don't have a ton of that stuff left. But I mean, dude, he he's an athletic player that joins an athletic team. So I mean, it's interesting to see kind of some of the strategies go in. And and to get back to the first question, I think there's intriguing players. Um, it will be interesting, as it always is, to see kind of like how they pan out. I just don't see the same depth in this draft that has been in the last draft. And then I don't see nearly the same star power that was in either of the previous two drafts. There's no Anthony Edwards in this draft. There's no LaMelo Ball in this draft. There's no John Morant in this draft, in my opinion. Right. Um, and then there's also no, you know, I go back to last year and you look at Cade Cunningham, Mobley, um, Jalen Green and Kaminga and some of these other guys. Like, I don't see the depth across 
the draft. I don't. I don't think those guys necessarily. Obviously, I hope Kaminga is, but I don't see those guys being those other three. Scotty Barnes, right? Um. So you know, it, I felt like this was a year. If I'm a GM, I'm trading back in the draft. You know, but I don't know. Um, sometimes it's easy to make those trades where you can, but you know, getting a trade to work for both teams is is a pretty difficult thing. And you know, you never really, you never really know about a draft for a few years. But yeah, I mean, I I will agree with you. They didn't have that one like, you know, the number one pick was never like this is the guy. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in the previous years, but. You know, a lot of these kids could prove some people wrong, though. I mean, we'll see. Last, Time will tell. Last piece of that, you you brought up a good point, is old Wadronowski was talking about it's locked in. Like at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, he's like, these are the three picks according to my sources. And ESPN's writing articles and feature stories on these three guys and how they're going to go one, two, three in the draft. 30 minutes before the draft starts, Wadronowski's like, well, they pulled a, a fast one. And uh, actually, and he was all wrong on all of them. And it just blows my mind how these guys can like get it, run with it. I'll just sneeze. <laughs> and uh bless you yeah i was man i was rolling there too that was gonna be a good sound clip instead um anyway fuck god damn it janowski dude i can't believe it he just gets away with it you know it's like dude you didn't have it and then all of a sudden like everybody's like oh ho ho i'm like oh no big deal like you ruined the draft for everybody by like you're waiting everybody's fucking sitting there for five minutes waiting on the name to get called i don't want to hear it from adrian wojanowski before the dudes walking on the stage, they do the shit in football. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm sitting, and football is a disaster because it takes it feels like half an hour between every pick. And then right before the motherfucker walks up there, uh, old dipshit with the mullet is like, "Oh, they're drafting Sam Howell." It's like, well, man, can I just get hit of music first, like, bitch? Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, in the segue into the off season and how hard it is to pull off a trade. Perhaps no is nothing is a greater illustration than Kyrie Westbrook continuous saga. I'm all on Westbrook train, man. I you know, I just feel like he's angry at people, and I'm I get it, man. He's he's done too much to uh, get disrespected. On the flip side, you got Kyrie who hasn't done nearly enough to be respected, and he feels like he has the same ground to stand on. In my opinion, for many various reasons, I'm biased against Kyrie. Um, but they both signed their 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 extensions with their teams as if you know they acted like that shit might not happen or was some big surprise. But, um, dude, this whole Kyrie and Durant and Brooklyn experiment, what a disaster. Like, I would never want Kyrie on my team if I'm an NBA-like executive. Westbrook, you know, is weird because he's older. And and Westbrook hasn't helped himself a lot. Um, But, you know... I'm kind of into what, you know, Darvin Ham, this dude comes in here and I get it. He's supposed to like, I don't know if he's blowing smoke up everybody's ass by saying, you know, he's happy with Russ and is going to make it work or if uh, he really believes it. But I'm glad that they didn't swap players in this this trade that everybody was talking about. So Westbrook opted in to $46 million, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what Kyrie's. I think it was style. 47, but who's counting? I think Kyrie was like 37. So it's uh, 47 for West. I, I think, think so. it's 46.9. Mm-hmm. Basically, round up to 47, and then so Kyrie, what was he? 39, 36? I think it was. I th- I think he was 37 for next year. 37. So I mean, you're still missing. You're you're 10 million off. Yeah, you'd have to make that work somehow. Well, and, what they were saying was that. The Lakers could trade Davis and Westbrook to Brooklyn for Kyrie and I can't remember maybe maybe a draft pick or something like that. Um, it was it was a wild scenario that basically was like and and I read the article and it was like a a decent argument for like hey look you're essentially trading one for the other but you're you're shaking things up um, anyway like. Yeah, I'm a huge LeBron fan, and I'm not a huge Kyrie fan. You think LeBron can win a championship? 
I think he can. I just don't think the Lakers are it, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't see the Lakers winning another one. I, I, I don't. And it's not Anthony Davis, is a hell of a player, but he's not. He's never on the court. He's not healthy enough to stay for a full season. I love his game. I think he's super talented, but you know he is injury prone, and you know you can't rely on him uh, for you know longevity in a season. Yeah. And I will say LeBron is. You know, he's getting older. I mean, it seems like he's Superman, but how much longer can he keep doing this? And I, I just don't see that. And um, as much as I want to see LeBron maintain that, it's just it's impossible. Yeah. And, you know, I will say, you know, um, Russell in the Lakers, I don't understand why they can't make that, like, somewhat manageable. Mm-hmm. And I mean that. He's too good of a player. He's too good of a leader. Um, you know, I – I, I do think that uh, he could be productive for the Lakers. Now, is he worth $49 million? Yes, he is because he was an MVP and he earned that. And the Lakers decided to pay that for him. So you want to talk all this shit. Okay, well, you gave him that contract and that's what you accepted. Mm-hmm. Of course he's going to opt into 40, $47 million. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that was ever yeah. up for debate. Okay. He's, I mean, you could he's not an idiot, okay? And you know, people who debate think, well, he's not worth that. Well, yes, he is. That's market value. That's yeah. what he signed for. And, the contract uh, says you're worth it. You're worth it. Yeah. And so, you know, all this all this heat that he's taken, um, you know, it's debatable. Um, it's debatable. I will say that. And, um, you know, I, I don't see the Lakers being a, a true contender next year. Yeah, they just they're stuck. They they've tied their own hands. Um, you know, they've mortgaged their future for now and the pieces they put together now appear to be too old. And and you said it a long time ago like the best ability is availability and and Edwards is great, but he's great for 40 50 games a year. I'll go in and pull up how many games he's played in an average season and like if you're you're not going to win a championship when your second best player who is 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 like a top 10 caliber player in the league is only playing in 70% 80% of your games. Um and then even when he's playing Right, he's he's in these like five game stretches of managed minutes, trying to burn him back in mm-hmm. for two weeks. Right, um, the thing with LeBron, like I get, I think LeBron has one more year on his deal in LA, and then he has, of course, like all of all the power. He's gonna be thirty eight, dude. When that comes, he could have won the if he hadn't gotten hurt. And of course, the, the Lakers sucked, so he didn't win it and wasn't gonna win it. But he was an arguable candidate for MVP last year. Yeah, because he's good. And And it's just incredible. Well, Sleep, he's so talented. He has figured out, like, how to get stats. Like, he's, I mean, he's been in the league for so long. He's so, he is one of, he is, I'll give him this, he is one of the smartest basketball players to ever play the game. His IQ, his basketball IQ is off the charts. He takes tremendous care of his body. He's a really good professional. Now, I just, I don't see that you know, happening at 38. I don't see him maintaining his athleticism and he relies heavily on athleticism. Yeah. People can say what they want, but I mean, his ability to get to the rim, uh, muscle people up, his body at some point is going to, you know, something's going to happen and you start to see it. He's had a few injuries the past couple of years, uh, a knee thing, a hamstring, um, some ankle stuff like over time, man, that, that takes, that takes a hit on your body. Um, but you brought up Kyrie. I want to touch on Kyrie. I'm big on Kyrie. I think Kyrie's one of the best point guards to ever play the game. And I think I think you could put him on most teams and you become a contender. I really do. And a lot of people want to give Kyrie a lot of heat, but he stood his ground. I mean, he didn't he didn't care what anybody said this year. What you what whether you uh are for vaccine or not against a vaccine, whatever. He didn't. He said, "I'm not doing," it, and stood to it. And I mean, this it's a double edged sword um, because it seemed a little selfish. And hey, man, you're getting paid all this money. Just, just take it. Well, there's a lot of other players who didn't take the vaccine and got to play. Uh, I just feel like he was a a mortar for a lot of things that a lot of people did. Um, that a you know, he took a lot of heat that a lot of other people should have taken as well. But I will say this, I am a big fan of Kyrie and I think I think he is arguably the best point guard in the NBA and I think if you put him on a majority of teams you're going to be a contender. 
Yeah, if he plays, you're you're a contender. There's no doubt about it. He's a great player. Um, my problem with Kyrie is I don't think he gets enough criticism as a player. Forget all the extracurricular shit. He doesn't get enough criticism as a player for scoring 50 one night and scoring, you know, 21 on seven of 30 shooting the next night. Mm -hmm. Um, he doesn't, he's a mercurial guy. Like he doesn't, um, he, in my opinion, he's not super consistent. And I think that part of being in the NBA and being successful is managing your ego among another a team full of other people that are getting paid a lot of money to do a lot of things. My thing with the whole vaccine is like, listen, man, everybody gets to believe what they want and, and all this sort of stuff. And it's, but I didn't make the rules of New York City where that you got to No, do I agree with you. Sleep. Hey. And so, like, I think that the thing with him was he put himself above the team. Which is just a cardinal sin in in sports, right? Like mm -hmm. I think that he basically said, I don't think it was anything about him not wanting to take the vaccine, or or at least if it was, his whole argument and his approach to it was was flippant. It was arrogant, and it was like um like hypocritical in the way that he was sort of handling this, but not other things, and yada yada yada. And we can go on and on about that. But at the end of the day, the same thing with Kyrie is the same thing with Russell Westbrook. Is you. It, it, it gives a lot of credence to those people that talk about how it's different in those markets in New York and LA. Like, dude, think about it. Russell Westbrook's been the same guy for a long time. He's said some hot headed shit. Kyrie's kind of been the same guy that since, you know, but when they get in New York and when they get in LA, the same sort of shtick that they've had before all of a sudden just blows up. Because, same could be said for James Harden. Yeah. But at least James Harden wasn't like a dick. That's the thing is James Harden is just sort of to himself. That's and, very debatable. Well, sure, maybe, but like I'm talking about to the public. Like yeah. he does, he's not going in. He's yeah, not you're right. going in in things because you got to figure like most people watching are like average fans, right? I'm with you. Like I think that I agree with you. But what I'm saying is you got to think about the normal guy that's sitting there watching it. They see all this shit that that Kyrie says or that Russ says, and it just boom is blown up in the thing. You don't see. Harden sitting at a press conference, you know, talking shit. He just doesn't say anything. And he probably yeah. doesn't work very hard or whatever. There's some knocks on him that I don't know anything about. But yeah, so I, I get you. But I think that's the difference in why he doesn't get rose so, so hard. Well, here's my argument, Sleep. Harden, is, he is a hard worker. He puts in a lot of individual work. But he lives a nightlife. And ah. he, I mean, you can make an argument, okay, to be a guy to make that much money and to be considered a leader on a team who has a nightlife and is in the club two to five in the morning, mm -hmm. taking trips to Vegas, all this stuff, you know, it, it's not a good look and it's not the chemistry you yeah. want to build with. He's that, and then to perform like you did in the playoffs and to be inconsistent mm -hmm. and not be once the player you were, yeah. um, on the biggest market yep. that you've played in, mm -hmm. I think that that says something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, to me, you can make a claim, hey, that's pretty selfish. Do you think he's not as good as he used to be or that he's just not as focused as he needs to be? No, I think when you're younger, you can get away with having mm -hmm. a bad diet. Mm -hmm. I think that you can get away with not stretching or taking care of your body as much. But, hey, when you get in your 30s and you've played in the NBA for a long time, that small stuff that you ignored, you need to start doing huh. that to maintain that level. That's and, really interesting. You know, the diet, that makes a huge difference um, as we're about to do a cookie review. <laughs> um, but, you know, all that stuff adds up. And to get paid all that money and and have all those expectations, to be a contender and want to win, a, you got to have the – your your actions have to match your, um, you know, your – your words or right. your expectations. Yeah. Your actions must meet your expectations. Yeah, your production really does. Because like Jordan, they said Jordan used to – I mean, I read books about Jordan going to the casino until 3 o'clock – until 8 o'clock in the morning before 3 o'clock matinee at the Garden. And the thing was, Jordan showed up and you were going to get it. And I mean, yeah. that's the same thing they used to say about Rodman. It's like Rodman was a maniac, but when mm -hmm. Rodman showed up to the game, you were going to get it. Oh, yeah. And, and like it, it, at the end of the day, like if that's what you're doing, fine, but you better not, it's like you better not be wrong. Like you better yeah. show up and have it. And if you don't, you're going to get criticized. I'm looking here at LeBron's stats. LeBron's played 82 games in a season one time. That blows my mind. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. He was, he was highly against the, uh, the load management. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was he was one of those guys I'm playing, mm -hmm. and he's played a lot of 
close. I mean, he's, you know, 79, 78, 81, 76, 79. Because there's a lot of times when they're so far out in front, the team gives them a little rest at the end of the season, right? So so when you're getting close, that's kind of like an unfair uh, uh, call out. But the thing that's really interesting to me about LeBron and his body that you were just explaining is, dude, LeBron ain't playing 82 games. LeBron's playing like 120 games or whatever, right? Because he's in every, he went to the playoff to the finals eight or nine years in a row. Like, dude, you are playing into fucking June every year. At the Olympics some years. And the Olympics. I mean, dude, this guy is like every game that's on TV, this this motherfucker's mm-hmm. like working. And so imagine, I don't I don't know. It's it's always interesting to me to think about this in terms of like a regular job. You know, like you got one dude that's getting paid a shitload of money and gets to do whatever the hell he wants. And if he produces great, but if he doesn't, like there's really nothing you can do. And that's where I guess the whole Kyrie thing really comes in for me. And really the rust thing, I don't know anything about what's going on in these locker rooms. Everybody puts on a good front and yeah. then you hear all these whispers about there's, this, there's gotta be dissension in the fucking locker room. Like think of any other job. You got a teacher. If you're a bunch of teachers and one of them gets paid more than you and she's at the club every night and shows up late and nobody fires her like, or him or whoever. I didn't mean to, or they. to, to gender. Yeah. I didn't mean to specify. Um, you know, just think of it in the context of a regular job and you tell me now the problem is, is if the guys that are pissed off are making 900 grand a year, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. It, sleep. Here's the thing is all this, like, Oh, we got a great locker room. You know, there's somebody on every team mm-hmm. that there's an issue yeah. and I don't care. I mean, it's impossible yeah. to have that much money in sport and then not, to have some yeah. type of friction between teammates, coaches, whatever. Not everyone's getting along. That's all horse shit. It just makes like how you work together. And by the way, you don't have to get along with somebody to be a great team. Yeah. You don't have to be kumbaya, oh, hold hands after the game in the locker room to win ball games. All you got to do is be together on the court and mm-hmm. have good court chemistry. Nobody gives a shit sometimes what happens in the locker room. Winning solves everything. Now you go out there and you lay an egg mm-hmm. and then you're an asshole to the media and then you're an asshole to your teammates and then you get upset when yeah. somebody says some shit about yep. you. That's where people are like, well, hey, man, you know what? You just laid an egg on the court yeah. and then you called this guy uh, an mf as you're walking off the court <laughs> yeah. and then you, you said, him hey, off come whatever, on down yeah. here. And, you know, and then you tell your teammate to go fuck off. Like that's, I mean, and then all of a sudden you can't say that about me. Well, the fuck I can't, I'll say what I want about (laughs) you. And you know, that's, that's where the line, it gets a little questionable to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. And especially now in this age compared to Jordan and those prior generations is just the constant access. There are 50,000 camera angles. You're going to catch everything. You're going to catch what people say. Everybody's got their, not only are there a hundred camera angles in the stadium, but then there's how many people holding their own camera and it's on you at all times. And you just, the thing I have, the one criticism I have about Russ, who I really like as a player is like, and again, like (laughs) <laughs> who the fuck am I? I'm just, I don't know what the fuck Scott, he's got to deal dog. with. I'm sleep dog. That's about it. Uh, about as much as I'll ever be. But it's like, you wish, I guess, on the outside looking in that there was some way that he could be a little more aware of how things are going to be perceived in the moment. And he, I, I, if I'm him and you're in LA and you've done so much, and that's what he really seems to harp on. is like, how are y'all going to fucking talk about me with everything I've done? Like my proof of work. And he... Um, feels like he's got a lot of pent up anger because of that, and 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 loses control of it. Because you told me he's one of the nicest dudes in the league. He is an unbelievable, dude. One thing you never hear from Westbrook, you never hear, oh, he was out late, yeah, or you never hear a knock on his work ethic. You never hear him say, oh, he's not that good. He is a high class, hard worker, and does the right thing. Now, you know what I will say here, um, is he's taking a lot of heat from the. You know, from the media, he's above that. Yeah, like he's earned the right. Yeah, he is above that. Like, you know, Skip Bayless is—he's one of the biggest sports reporters out there. Yeah, and you got to realize that. And I don't care what you, people didn't like Jordan. Yeah, I mean, if people didn't like the greatest player to ever play and pointed out his flaws, listen, everybody's going to have something. Yeah, so like yep. no, you can't prove everybody right. Yeah. And you know, the back and forth on Twitter with him and Skip. To me, I just laugh because Skip's smart. 
Skip is smart. Yeah. Like, Skip likes that. He liked that. He's well, that's like, how he butters his bread, man. Oh, he's yeah. in the. He's relevant as long as Russell oh, Westbrook is yeah. talking shit to him. Skip's been talking shit yeah. about LeBron. I mean, he, LeBron still ain't good enough. Yeah, exactly. and, uh, and yeah, and I mean, it is. Uh, that's exactly what right. he wanted. Right. Nah, that's a great point, man. And anyway, I mean, we just. Uh, how long are we in, Pablo? 40 minutes. We just carried on for 40 minutes about the NBA just when we thought we didn't have it. Um, I don't even know if um, what else was on our list. Any of this stuff you want to talk about or should we just chomp cockies? Hey, yeah, let's talk about Brooks. Okay, yeah. Speaking of a – okay, yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah well, we got uh, Brooks Kepka. 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 Uh, Kepka. Oh. Uh, going to <laughs> the the LIV tour. I mean, who didn't see this coming? Oh, the guy man. got paid a billion dollars, and they said, hey, do you want to come over here and play for the LIV? We'll make life easier for you. We'll pay you more money than you ever thought was imaginable, and you don't have to deal with the bullshit from the PGA. And he thought about it for about a second. Yeah, I'll do that. And so the PGA is like, well, another one bites the dust. Um, now the PGA is implemented some extra you know bonus opportunities for these players and opportunities so i mean kind of things are turning around for these i mean we're seeing some competitive uh market happening here is where you know you have somebody that's competing against you and taking some of your main product and now you've switched up some things to make your league more appealing which i like to see um but hey man see you brooks uh we got to figure out where we can watch these liv um rounds or tournaments yeah about two o'clock in the morning i guess and uh yeah necessity breeds innovation they say in business and so uh as much light love it or hate it the pga is the only league like literally think about this the only other competitive league that has come along in major sports and this is going to sound funny as shit but was the xfl I mean, like that is the the gold standard since the mergers of all these, since like AFL, NFL, and then ABA, NBA, and like, come on, dude, XFL, like you're fucking kidding me, right? Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to think about, like, you're not. I mean, maybe the other alternative you could say is the MLS versus European soccer, which again is almost equally as laughable. But XFL is probably a better product than in comparison to the pull of the regular sport. And and here here you're in a sport. This, if I'm, if I am on the fucking board of governors at the NCAA, I'm paying really close attention to this shit, because this is the worst nightmare. Is you have a product that where the power is so decentralized that this is why this is why big corporations hate unions <laughs> because the strength and the the value of the masses comes together and they're like you know what fuck this like this isn't working for us we're leaving and if you're the NCAA dude you got five power conferences and yeah okay there's some ties and this that and the other but if i'm paying if i'm in the NCAA i'm fucking paying attention to this shit mm-hmm. because because Think think about how rare this is that someone just pops up a league out of nowhere and they roll it and the money's there. The money's there somewhere. So it doesn't matter. Like money does not matter. So um, you know, it's love it or hate it, you know, talk about blood money or this, that, or the other. Okay, fine. Like, like, like I'm not talking about the social implications, the moral implications of thing. The fact is, business to business is all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, this company has had a major competitor pop up out of the sky and is just siphoning their revenues um, or their revenue generators. And then now it's the exact same thing could happen in NCAA. Sleep, that is an amazing comparison. And I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, man, that is that is something I haven't thought about, but that is genius um, because it is similar. And, you know, it takes – it takes um, – <laughs> You know, and you got to give credit to Phil. I mean, he yeah. took he took a majority of this heat. And, you know, a lot of players are leaving now, and the media is kind of like, oh, yeah, well, we see why you're going now. But Phil took a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. And to me, um, you know, it's all it's going to take is one major school to start this whole mm-hmm. shift. And maybe the it will make the – Or NCAA, even conference, you know. One conference. I mean, could you imagine the SEC? <sighs> 
we're gonna we're gonna govern ourselves. We're good. Yeah, we'll have our own tournament. I don't think they're losing fans. I'll tell you that. I think every SEC football game would be sold out, regardless of what. Oh, hundred percent. Who governors them? But no, nah, that's man. That's a. I yeah. It'll be interesting because they've long talked about this as a possibility for the NCAA. So um, I don't know. I just like on the spot, just I blacked out and thought of that. And uh, the truth is, is is um, you know, the only other situation this could conceivably happen in. You know, you're not getting another hockey league. You're not getting another basketball league. You're not getting another baseball league. You're not damn sure not getting another football league. And the only other place this could happen is in the NCAA. You you brought up hockey league though. A Netflix documentary, the the thrash trashers. Oh boy, have you seen that? Uh uh-uh. uh Dude, you got to watch that. It is the trashers. Trashers. Oh, I can't wait. Dude, it's all right. I basically, Mary's gonna love that one. Honestly. It's where it's like if the WWF ran a minor league hockey team, <laughs> that's what it'd be like. So the owner was actually in the mob. And so oh, what God. they did was they just go out and fight everybody. And they literally signed somebody just out of the pen that was a really good fighter just to go out on the ice and just fight people. And it was – I have to check this they out. They were paying people in duffel bags. It was amazing. Oh, wow. And – the owner bought the team to give to his son who was still in high school and his son took over the team. Did we, uh, is this, uh, it reminds me of like the roller derby with the girls. Anyway, I don't know why. I it's said crazier. Huh. Uh, you can't make this shit up. Hey, we got the cookie review though, real quick. I know yeah. we got Pablo over here. Guys, I went back to um, Crumble. Like I said, we're going to give it a fair shot. Now, my standard here, Sleep Dog, is a chocolate chip cookie. And then we have the, the confetti cookie. Which that is Which a special. Tyler's already eaten half of. Yeah. Well, hey, listen. Some things happen. Ten bites. Everybody knows the rules. All right. So the chocolate chip is always a standard. First of all, it's four dollars per cookie. So good inflation God, get the best every day. I don't know if that's inflation. They just they just like their cookies there. But the thinning of America is about to take place at four dollars a cookie, dude. Ain't nobody gonna have touch diabetes my fucking no cookies. I don't give a fuck about the gas. You touch my fucking cookies. Oh, you just put the fucking finger in my cookie, dude. All right. Oh, here we go. Dude, this is a meat pie. This is like a cow pie of a cookie. Big girthy cookie. Mm, it is a mouthful. Served at room temperature. Mm-hmm. Chocolate chip is always a base. That's what we always, mm-hmm. just for our standard man sleep. It's a good cookie. It's good. Not great. I would say it hovers on a scale 1 to 10. Seven. Actually, 6.5. Pablo, what are your thoughts? I'm going to give it an eight. I like that it's crispy on the outside and chewy on the inside. And I really like the taste of the cookie and the giant chunks of chocolate. Mm-hmm. Guys, this is one of the top five worst chocolate chip cookies I've ever had. I don't understand. I'm dead serious. Like, Is, is Crumble a national brand or are they like local? National. Okay, good. Because if they were local, I'd re- I'd re- reel that back because I don't want to shit on them. But I stopped at Subway, but dude, this fucking systems down. Subway's cookies are way better now. Don't get me wrong, I'm gonna eat the motherfucker. Like it ain't like I, it ain't it ain't an edible, but <laughs> it ain't that good either. You know, um, it ain't worth four dollars. It ain't worth eight hundred calories. I can tell you that. Um. Try the confetti cookie. Yeah, I'm going to go there We're next. We're going to go run a marathon tomorrow, though. I got a feeling it looks a lot like the same. Confetti looks like it's just baked into oblivion here. Much better. Mm-hmm. The thing Much- with a confetti cookie that gives it, top layer has some flavor to it. The other one just tastes like a bunch of damn cornmeal. You know, it, it, it's it got like the chewy in the middle. Mm, it's a much better cookie. Yeah, much, much better. better cookie. Pablo, what you think? Yeah, y'all had Funfetti cupcakes, right? It feels like... This no, is, Pablo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same texture, but baked more. I like it a lot. It's really right, good. This more, it, yeah. yeah, if you go to Crumble, tell them to f*** themselves on the chocolate chip cookie. I'm there. It. I'll tell them that you said that. Yeah, tell them, hey, listen. Take this chocolate chip cookie and shove it up your ass. And give me two confetti cookies. I'll make sure after. Hey, there goes our sponsorship. <laughs> but make sure, <laughs> but make sure you know national they ain't sponsoring us anyway. All we care about is crab cakes on this show, right, John? 
We give a fuck about crab cakes. We don't shit about these cookies. We don't need fucking cookies. We got crab cakes. I guarantee you that Jimmy Sanders Seafood Cookies is better than these fucking places. And they make crab cakes. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want a chocolate chip cookie that you can write home about, I guarantee you, you go to Jimmy's Famous Seafood in Baltimore, Maryland, and you ask for one, they'll drum one up that's better than this one. Absolutely. Cooking in crab grease, mm-hmm. which don't even exist. I am eating a chocolate chip cookie again just to check it out. But uh, I'd rather have a, I'd rather be eating a crab cake with my hands right now from Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Well, that's a given. Um, <clears throat> by the way, I'm gonna eat. I'm getting crumbs everywhere too. They don't call them. They don't call them. Uh, don't call them numble. No, no crumble. I don't know where I'm going. But they crumble. <laughs> they fucking crumble yeah, all gotcha. over your shit. So listen to sum it up. Chocolate chip cookie, underwhelmed mm-hmm. from Crumble, which is a boutique national cookie outlet. Com- outlet, um, conglomerate, conglomerate. Yeah. Hey, listen, Crumble, fix it. Okay. Well, Period. Sure. You're not going to stop making cookies because that's what you guys do. That's the only thing you guys do there. Fix your fucking chocolate chip cookie. Uh, the other cookies are amazing. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. Hey, mm-hmm. listen, I'll go back. I'll buy another chocolate chip cookie. I'm just saying, like, if it's the only chocolate chip cookie I have access to, if it's the only chocolate chip cookie within arm's reach, I'll pay $4 for it. I'll also go to Food Line and pay $4 for uh, three damn sleeves of Chips Ahoy and be a hell of a lot happier. Not the regular Chips Ahoy. Those are just, like, crackers. Well, hey, we'll bring, well, hey, we'll have to have a Chips Ahoy day. Shoot us, hit us in them dry-ass DMs we got, dry, about as dry as this cookie. Um... And tell us what you want to talk about. Because, guys, we got big, big guests coming. Mm-hmm. Just not sure when. Um, <laughs> and what, But, I mean, you're going to know. You'll be the first ones to know, fans. Mm-hmm. So, man, we love you. And we really appreciate it if you share this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody else listen to some bitch and like our posts on Instagram. Or else we're just doing this shit for nothing. Yeah, just slide on in there, fellas. And Jesus fucking Christ, stay safe. For the love of God, stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>